Welcome to Gross Anatomy. You always laugh, so I always do that, but we're live, eh? I always laugh. You always laugh, so as long as you laugh, I'm going to still Your do it. excitement for exactly our live. Exactly, for live. That's my thing. That's for my For some shtick. reason, it makes me laugh. Good. I'm going to take a water break. Good. Take it. Okay. Perfect. So, uh, so welcome to Gross Anatomy, everybody. Welcome. Where we discuss the sights, smells, and sounds of medicine and how it relates to pop culture, TV, movies, uh, and the world around around us, etc., etc. One of my partners likes to say etc. all the time. I think, I, th I think either Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant used to always do etc., so he decided to do etc. Really? But I'm not totally sure. He, that's what he said, so he's always etc. Keep dropping sports and all of There you go. I'm like the sports guy all of a sudden. Dr. Jason Cohen is who I am, and I'm with... Lauren Taylor. And here we are. Here we are. Here we are. So today I thought we'd start with um, a few updates. You had updates. Updates. Okay. Newsflash. Do 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 do. In our last episode, the hot zone. Yes. We talked about how Ebola was spreading again in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Is it? You said that. I didn't yes, say that. Yes, it is. And now, unfortunately, it spreads. But apparently, there is a vaccination that you can get for a certain strain. Of Ebola. the Zaire strain? Or Z oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the vaccination isn't technically approved, but it's used on a compassionate basis. Yeah. Which I guess is, I don't know, have you used medicine based on a compassionate basis? A little bit. It's, it's like when you have a medicine, you know, I was just telling someone, it's when you have a medicine that's possibly indicated for something or not yet indicated, you know, they haven't done all the trials, and if someone comes up with a major illness... You could often, not always, it's sometimes still very difficult, get a compassionate use approval to get the medicine off-label, you know, kind of as a last-ditch effort. Sometimes you'll get permission from the company or whatever. Okay. You know, we had actually tried to... Um, no, I don't want to get all sad right now. I was going to get all sad, oh. but I don't want to. But uh, we'll we'll save that story for another time. My mom had lung cancer, and I was talking about... Okay. Um, with, uh, here we go. We're going there anyway. We don't have to um, go. Now I feel sick. No, we could go there. Okay. Um, so we were just, uh, actually, just, she just, it was, her death was May 30th. So 19 years ago, this past May 30th. Uh, so it came up. So she died of lung cancer a long time ago in 2000. Um, and at that time, they didn't have all these great chemotherapies that they do now for lung cancer. You know, it was still kind of just standard chemotherapy. Then they started coming up with all this other very targeted um, types of chemotherapy, antibody chemotherapy. And um, at the time, my mother was still going on standard chemotherapy. Unfortunately, she only lived 18 months from the time of diagnosis. She was 56 at diagnosis, died at 58, um, which That's is insane because so I'm close to that age already. Um, and uh, we were trying to get some of those medications compassionate use, and, and I wasn't able to because there were no, I mean, maybe if, had I been where I am today, I would have been able to, and, and who knows what. But uh, at that point, I was still just a lowly surgery resident uh, who knew nothing, Jon Snow. So, so that's the story. So, so I did have experience personally trying, trying to get to medicine get for compassionate not, use oh gosh, and not being successful. Imagine how frustrating that is. Yeah, but I didn't know much, so I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, Sorry to take us way down there. No, it's okay. Yeah. But it's kind of a sad topic today anyway. Yes. But we'll get there. What are you talking about? What else are you talking about? The only other thing was um, the New York Times article that you had sent me. And yes. I read it, and it's very... It's an op-ed article. Yeah. Or an op-ed. Yeah. Um, from Dr. Danielle Offrey, who mm -hmm. apparently practices at Bellevue Hospital in New York. And the title of her op-ed is, The Business of Healthcare Depends on Exploiting Doctors and Nurses. Mm -hmm. That's the gist of it. Mm -hmm. So I just drank water. What um, you want to tell me your thoughts? Wait, on Wait, wait, wait. Where? What, what? And it was published in what? Op-ed in what? The New Times? York Times. Yeah. So it's like a, the New York Times article, and a lot of people have been talking about it. Um, and people are sending it to you just because they know what you're going through. Or? Someone sent it to me. You know, it's funny. People. Well, what do you think about the article? Well, I mean, the beginning was great. I mean, the first paragraph really gets her attention. She's basically saying, like, you're at your daughter's recital. You get a call. Your patient son needs to talk to you urgently. And then it's just, like, basically goes into, like, everything you have to do when you're not even on, you right. know, like, after hours. Yeah. Like, you have to leave your daughter's recital. You, like, some MRI isn't covered, so you have to talk to insurance for, yeah. like, 15 minutes. And now, like, you have to do um, what she says is the... EMR, is that what you guys refer to? The electronic as? medical record. Yes. Yeah. She says now doctors can log in at home, so that means like when they're at home now they're like filing things. Like oh yeah. Doing. Yeah. Look at this. No, you're you're the only one who's going to be able to see this. Our our listeners can't, but they could appreciate. These are charts that I'm backlogged on that I have so to enter into the electronic medical kids, record. You can now log there in go. at Those home. There you go. That's my chart. Yeah. That I do. Every now and then I'll steal some time at home and my wife will come down and she'll be like, you know, thinking I'm like watching movies and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing chores. She's like, can't you do that at work? And the answer is, no, I'm busy doing podcasts at work. No, the answer <laughs> is, um, I'm, no, I can't do it at work. Not if I want to get home ever. Right. Yeah. And so basically I, I took away the gist of it was that the system, which yeah. I'm not sh really sure who's responsible for the healthcare system in the state that it is now. I guess a lot of factors are in that. Yeah. But that they take advantage of doctors just living up to the moral code, which yeah. is you guys always put your patients first. Yeah. So, it's, an, it's an interesting perspective, that article. Yeah. Because it really sums up kind of what doctors are going through a little bit. The EMR, the electronic medical record. Yeah. Has that made care better for patients? Is there some kind of positive no. outlining? I, well, I don't think so. And she said it. She said the. I think she said it, or a different, or or one of the comments said it, or a different article said it. Is that the only thing the electronic medical record has? At least the ones that are standard standardized that are being used. The only really benefit to those records are much better for billing. Mm -hmm. So the hospitals and the billing system and Medicare is benefiting, mm -hmm. um, and. It's just a better way of tracking these people. That's that's really it's really just a better billing tool mm. for the billing companies and for yeah. the hospitals and okay. the insurance companies. And it's just added more work to doctors and nurses. At the end of the day, after a nursing shift, you you go up to the hospital and the nurses are sitting there trying to finish their charting and everything. That's what she talked about in this article. Yeah, yeah. and they wind up staying longer past their shift just to get their charting done. I would recommend people read it. The real topic that we want to talk to about today is, uh, yeah, it is a sad topic, but paralysis? Yeah, yeah, I wanted to talk about... But there's some positivity to, or people are your friend, right. talk about your friend. Well, the, the reason I want to talk about it is, is it all goes back to Game of Thrones. You know, I'm still, oh, I'm yeah. still kind of jonesing and, and 
I, I'm post Game of Thrones. I don't know what to do with myself anymore. <laughs> I'm kind of like withdrawing. Like I, yeah. I, I don't know where my life is. So, um, so then I thought about that. We really haven't talked about Bran the Broken. We have not. No, we didn't really. Fo- and nobody really talks about Bran the Broken because he's such a loser almost. Because yeah, like almost everyone. Just wants to forget that he was named the king after right. all that. But not only that, I mean, he didn't really do. He didn't really have much action, and yeah. other than like he could have done such cool stuff, but he he didn't. Mm-hmm. But but he's also was in a wheelchair, you know, paralyzed the whole time. Right. So that got me thinking about um, paralysis and people who are handicapped within movies and TV and things like that. Other than Brand the Broken, uh, that we don't really talk about, and mm-hmm. and. Um, and the accuracies and things like that. So, and I recently just watched on an airplane the movie with um, Brian Cranston and uh, Kevin Hart. Um, that I thought was cute and fun. Yeah, and it's I called The, the Upside. I the saw Upside. That too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, about this guy who. How did he get par- Oh, a hang gliding accident right. or something. And and he's paralyzed, and, and he hires this assistant who kind of helps him live again a little right. bit. Right, and he's played by Kevin Hart. I thought they both did a good job. Yeah, I thought it was a cute, fun movie. And it's based on a real true story, it too. It is, and it's actually... And it was a French film they called The Untouchables. Oh, right. That I heard was, was great. Is fantastic. You it's saw actually it? the Yes, it was like the highest grossing, or the second highest grossing film in France. What was the first? Uh, I actually don't know the first, but like... Come on. I don't. No, I know. Um, yeah, no. But it but, just made so much money. It was so popular in France. Yeah, I bet. And it was and it was a fun, cute movie. And I, and I like... Uh, it had a good end. You know, the whole thing was a really cute movie. Yeah. And that got me thinking of the other movie, Me Before You. Which I didn't see. You didn't see. But I saw it with my kids. That was with a Game of Thrones That's girl. with... Uh, what's her name? Amelia Daenerys. Clark. Daenerys, Mother of Dragons. Yeah, who's so not Daenerys in that movie. Oh, she's not. She's like sweet and goofy, and okay. so it's worth seeing to see how good of an actress she is. Um, but it's very controversial. I saw it with my kids, and in it, the guy, same kind of thing. He was like a larger than life kind of guy, daredevil, did a ton of stuff. Okay. And then I, I forget what his accident was, paralyzed, and he decided that he wanted to be um, euthanized. He didn't want to live anymore. No, so he did. No. What? He did? He decided he did not want to live anymore in the Mm, movie. Okay. And so Daenerys comes in, Targaryen, and as his caregiver, I think his parents hired her, and they have this love affair, and she kind of thinks she could save him, Uh. you know, because now he has stuff to live for, and and da-da-da, and... Should I spoil it? Yeah, spoil it. So he decides, he, he goes through with it, and she's there. Well, you said it was end. controversial, so I was like, oh, yeah. maybe he did it. So, you know, so I talked, so my kids saw it, so we had this conversation about, is it brave, or is it cowardly, you know, or, you know, he had this great life, even paralyzed, you know, and mm-hmm. it just was, it just was a, you know, it had sparked some interesting conversations that I had with my children at the mm-hmm. time. It was a few years ago already about suicide and about um, the right to die, mm-hmm. or you know, and, and doctor-assisted suicide and things like that. Not so much suicide, but but the right to die and doctor-assisted suicide. And if you're you know very sick, is it okay to do that? I don't know. I I personally, I, I don't know the answer. I I think yeah, they have and, laws in other countries, right? right where you can and he do had it. to go out of the country to do it. Oh, you know, okay. he couldn't. So they were out of the country somewhere. They were wealthy. Mm-hmm. And he was surrounded by his family and, and all of that. And um, 
Right. I, I don't, you can't really do it in the United States. I was thinking of another movie after Me Before You. Um, Born on the Fourth of July. Born on the Fourth of July. The most popular. Right. And that was a great time. I thought that was one of Tom Cruise's best movies. Yes, and that's based on a true story. Also, another true story, yeah. Um, he actually, I found this out, or I, I think it, my husband had told me, but Ron Kovic, right. who it's based on, yeah. he lives in Redondo Beach. Oh, near, wow. So, like, around me. Right. I feel like I should have seen him out by now. And then there's the whole Hustler movie. I mean, the guy from Hustler. What wasn't there a movie? Larry Flynn, the people against oh, Larry Flynn. Oh, I didn't but think about that's not. That. I wasn't even thinking about that. So, what I was thinking about was the right to die... Um, and assisted suicide, and for some reason, you know, this is gross anatomy, and we don't really talk about gross anatomy, but I'm going to talk about a gross story and really sad and horrible that I remember from when I was doing my residency back in Brooklyn. I want to hear it. Uh, we were taking care, so I was on my intensive care unit rotation, surgical intensive care unit rotation, and a patient comes in who had tried to kill themselves. And I'm going to, for all I know, this patient's still alive, so I'm going to keep it really vague. And the patient threw themselves into, into this moving subway. What? Basically hurled themselves off of the platform in New York in, into a moving subway. Oh, and the insane thing is, is the patient came into our intensive care unit with, with half of their body gone, ripped off. So the patient had a head and one, the right arm and right leg, but no left arm and left leg. And the patient was incredibly sick in the intensive care unit. For a while, we didn't think if the patient was going to survive. And then crazily, this patient who tried to kill oneself slowly got better. And then I rotated off of the intensive care unit rotation. And... And luckily, I forgot about it because it was so sad. And it was a fairly young patient, like oh. probably in their 30s, maybe 40s. Um, and then I was in the trauma clinic. I was on my trauma surgery rotation in the trauma clinic. Mm -hmm. And in comes, in a wheelchair, this patient, now totally okay physically, other than half a body gone, oh my gosh. with this smile. I still remember the smile of that patient. It was the same patient? Was yeah, same it was person? that patient. It was that patient now alive in a wheelchair because only had half a body. Wow. It has nothing to do with paralysis, but it was a wheelchair and suicide and right to die. Pretty crazy. Whew. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's heavy. We've talked about suicide and end yeah, of life and stuff have. like that. Try, we have a podcast on happiness, ways we to do. get happy. Exactly. So, um, so getting back, so... Um, all of these people, patients, movies, uh, um, stories of people in wheelchairs, I have my own uh, personal experience. I have a, one of my greatest, oldest friends, someone I've known since I was a teenager, I guess, a young teenager, who was really my, initially my sister's best friend. My sister is two years older than I am um, and was a best friend to her who eventually became a best friend to me as well. Um, he, Alan Brown is his name, Alan Brown, Alan mm -hmm. T. Brown, amazing guy, a mensch, a tzaddik, ju just an insanely great person. Um, he was, I think, 21, so it's been 30-plus years because he's now 52 or 3. 
Um, what's really crazy is, take, making it all personal, is my sister, we used to take him away, this guy Alan, with us and my family away on our winter vacations. And this particular winter, we didn't take him away on our vacation. Um, and he wound, and it was the first time we didn't. And he wound up going away with other friends down somewhere in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. And they were body surfing. And on that particular day when he was body surfing, a wave came and crashed on him and probably would have killed, knocked him on his back, probably would have killed him. Someone pulled him out. Um, and then he got airlifted to Miami Hospital um, and survived. But he's, he's uh, basically like a highly functioning quadriplegic. Wow. So he, he could move his arms, but he can't move all of his fingers. And it's been 30 years he's been living in a wheelchair. And he's gone to become just an amazing man. That, and he probably would never have become the man that he is today had this injury not have happened. Um, like it, you know, I hate to say, Alan, who I love, I love you. Unfortunately, this made you a champion, and it made. And he was a great athlete. He he was an amazing athlete. But this this is like the opposite of me before you. That's why you know the guy was a great athlete, and then decided, ah, oh, the heck with it. Alan was a great athlete and then became a real champion and a real superstar mm -hmm. because of it. And, and the things he's gone on to do, um, first he was involved in PR and marketing and was involved in some of the Florida, because he lives down in Florida, some of their sports teams, and he was involved, and he, so much so that he um, was involved in championship teams and he got championship rings because wow. some of those teams won you know in their marketing this guy in the wheelchair but then he became he and his family started their own foundation the auntie brown foundation to cure paralysis and they've done a lot of amazing things with that and then he actually wound up working for the christopher reeves foundation um who became injured you know superman right, right. who became injured on, uh, falling off a horse he was mm -hmm. a, a big horseback rider um and he also, he was a higher quad, like he, he, I, I, he couldn't even move his hands, you know, he, he only had, I don't even knew, know if he could move his neck, he, he was able to move around kind of like um, the, the Brian Cranston ca character, right. you know, had to use a mouth thing to move around in his wheelchair, and, and I think he was on a breathing machine, a ventilator, Christopher Reeves, but, um, so... Um, Alan worked for them, uh, running their marketing and all of that, and now I think he's just left and he's starting this amazing, and not only that, anytime anybody around the world now, certainly America, has a spinal cord injury, Alan's become like this major resource for people to kind of help them with recovery, with anything they need, with, the, you know, dealing with... It's just such a crazy life-changing thing, you know, mm -hmm. making your house accessible and doing all that stuff and trying to find you research. And um, But Alan now, I think, is in the midst. I think it's public at this point, so if not, I'm in trouble, um, is trying to start up a... There's something called Birthright, which is a, um, an Israeli program for Jewish kids to go travel in Israel, and it's this foundation that treats these kids to go spend a short amount of time to see Israel to try to get them involved in the country. Mm -hmm. But uh, Birthright doesn't really provide for people with disabilities. So oh. Alan's kind of starting his own Birthright type of program for people with disabilities, and all sorts of disabilities. I don't think it just is limited to people who are paralyzed, I think it's any disability, to be able to allow all these people and adults, it may not just be kids, to be able to go and see Israel and travel there.
unfortunately most people don't think about oh a disabled child can't go like you know if, if you don't have a child with disabilities right. you don't even think about it it's not right. like you're not trying to be accommodating you're just not thinking about it yeah. so people need to be more aware and uh, something that just happened on i think it was sunday night whenever the tonys were did yeah. you see that i did not see the tonys i didn't see the tonys either but i read that they had the first ever person in a wheelchair won um for i think like feature actress in a musical in the right. musical oklahoma so she was like set in a special place and she used her wheelchair obviously to come up to the microphone that they had set up for her and you know she was saying this is for all the kids that are in wheelchairs that think you can't do it and it was just very powerful and but then the musical won for like best revival and mm -hmm. the whole cast was up there and she they didn't have access for her to get up there with the cast so it's just like people were commenting on that it's like how could you not think to do this it's like right all these things people just don't i mean that's life is so much harder obviously you know that so but like ways that we can make it accessible or if you're aware of it why didn't you make it accessible right well, one thing that Alan's just—he was just in Israel, I think, on a on a dry run through kind of trip with some people, and he sent he's my buddies and I and Alan were all on this group WhatsApp group. All the guys I grew up with—it's ridiculous, but um, I could never show it to anybody because it's ridiculous. But Alan sent us this video of him on a bus, and the ramp to get off the bus was broken, and he had to get off the bus. And he sent us how long it took for all these people to figure out how to get Alan off of this bus. Wow. And it's just, you know, the things that um, he has to go through, and, and I, it's unfathomable. It, it is. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, and what's amazing is Alan, who is this amazing superstar athlete, but he was like a wild, crazy party guy has become the most amazing mensch, you know, for lack of a better word. He, he's just become a righteous, great guy uh, who's got a tough, who, who's had a tough, uh, but he's amazing and he's my hero. That's great. He always manages to stay positive. There's also another movie, um, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. Have you seen it? It's um, no. on Amazon. I think it came out like a year ago. It's with Joaquin Phoenix, who we both love. Yeah. But he plays a real-life um, person. He plays a quadriplegic who's an alcoholic, and it's like he becomes this cartoonist, like this kind of famous cartoonist, and it's a Gus Van Sant film. But originally, like, he wants to die, too, and then he, like, finds his love for, like, drawing, and, you know, he gets his life together, and it's, it's like, it's a hopeful tale. Right. He it's based on a true story? Yeah, huh. and he eventually dies from uh, his... I, I mean, I don't know, you can explain it. Why do... People who are paralyzed die younger. So, yeah. So, that's, an, you know, we didn't even discuss that yet. So, um, you know, unfortunately, these people are not, so not moving definitely predisposes you to problems. So, one of the problems is, um, like you hear about these people go on airplane flights and develop these blood clots in their legs, um, which are called deep vein thromboses, DVTs, right. that then could possibly, if not diagnosed and not treated, those blood clots could break off the legs, they're in the vein, and travel up into the vena cava, into the lung, and cause what's called a pulmonary embolism, a blood clot in the lung that could be fatal. Mm -hmm. So that's one problem, is just blood clotting issue that from people not moving around. And then the other thing that could happen is it's amazing how quickly it could happen to someone who's just like an old patient who's, or even a young patient who's immobilized in bed. Yeah. 
you know, someone who's on the, in the intensive care unit on a ventilator, on a breathing machine, not moving, a body just laying there for, could quickly develop bed sores. And you don't realize that. You don't think about bed sores. And bed sores could be, you know, just a mild superficial thing to deep, you know, down to bone. And a bed sore is an open wound that's prone to get infected. And if it gets infected, the infection, the bacteria could enter your system and kill you that way. So that's another thing. Mm -hmm. Then a lot of these patients have trouble, unfortunately, urinating. They need to be catheterized either by themselves or they haven't permanent indwelling catheter into their bladder um, and anytime you the urine is sterile normally mm-hmm. you know it's there's no bacteria in urine but we have tons of bacteria living on our skin living all over us every day uh, I mean it's there everywhere so if you're taking something from outside of us and putting it into us to catheterize us to get our urine out you're possibly going to be and and if you're doing that every single day of your life which you have to do you're possibly introducing bacteria into mm-hmm. your urine system, and a lot of patients get urinary tract infections, which is very common also. Yeah, but can be deadly if it's not treated. Deadly. All, any infection could be deadly right. for anyone. But And then the other problem is, is patients who are paralyzed, it's not just that they don't have movement, they don't feel. So if they get a cut or a bruise or an injury, they may not know they have it, and they may not you know, until sometimes it's too late or, or it becomes a major yeah. problem. So be, plus they may not know they have a urine infection until they start getting sick. Whereas, you know, you or I will start, you know, it'll burn when we pee or something right. like that. They won't feel that, which is, you know, nuts. Yeah. A lot of patients have chronic, one thing, unfortunately, a lot of people have is chronic pain. So that even though they're, quote, paralyzed and they don't feel, they have this, we have these multiple nervous systems within us. We have the motor system, the sensory system, and then we have this thing called the autonomic uh, nervous system that controls things like, you know, pooping and, and, um, and things that we don't necessarily control. And that goes haywire because the whole mm-hmm. spinal cord system is screwed up and patients could experience pain or just weird like twitching and things like that and it's it could be very tough but uh, they are doing a lot of research right like there's new things coming out um there's stem cell research right which is for some reason becomes political whether it's going to be federally funded or not but there's a lot of like private research Right. companies that are doing things right. now too. And we know a lot, you know, in terms of spinal injury or any injury is that if you could intervene right away, um, you have a better chance of, of having reversal or improvement in whatever symptoms that occur. So um, just in terms of the treatments and this, and you give anti-inflammatories and all of this and maybe mm-hmm. stem cells, the problem is, is in the patient who's been chronically paralyzed, we don't have as much, although we're doing research on those people, and there's still a lot of research going on. Um, um, but there was actually it was um, over at USC. Apparently, they did a surgery or they did something with stem cells, and a man that was like recently paralyzed was able to get use of his arm and his leg back. Yeah, and it was a, a big deal. But like you're saying, I guess it has to like the circumstances have to be early. just yeah. right, and it was early. Yeah, and Before the neurosurgeon that was like working on him thought it's worth a shot. Like let's try it. And yeah, it worked. So I'm hoping you know, obviously. That's an advancement. Right. Hopefully For more sure. people can. And the other cool stuff is not just, you know, are the devices and things that have been created to help uh, uh, people with paralysis. 
is like exoskeleton kind of stuff or wheelchairs. My friend Alan has this one wheelchair that, you know, what's that thing, that scooter-like thing that you stand up on um, and it, it never really became a big thing. They use it in mall cops, ride it. What's that oh, thing the called? Segway. The Segway. Yeah. So that technology of the two wheels being able to stand up and not fall down, mm. they've kind of made wheelchairs that could go up on just two wheels so people get to regular standing height wow. and they balance and could go up and down stairs. My friend Alan has a chair like that. And he's okay, he's okay on it? Yeah, he's amazing on it. He's wow. a rock star. But, but it's still very challenging. Right. And... You know they're expensive as can be, but so there are things like that, and then there's they're working on exoskeleton kind of stuff too. Um, yeah. So there's interesting stuff out there. Anything else? Um, I don't think we have anything. Good, because we've been talking we've been for a talking. really long time. This is like four podcasts. I think you're going to have to make out of this one. We got some good stuff in here. We got a lot of good stuff. I think so. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine.